Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the City of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. for the camping trip. Um, it's going to be really fun because you have like three options. Like <laughs> you can do like the authentic rugged tent camping or you can, I think there's like a few spots for like RVers. How many of you guys are, let's see in house tent camping. How many? Raise your hand. Okay. RVers. Can you see the RVers? Raise your hand. Okay. And then there's the third option, which is um, stay at a hotel. That's me. So yes, yes. Yeah. I'm I'm, uh, I, as I get older, the less authentic camping I can really do. Let's just be honest. So there you go. Um, I hope you guys will be there. It'll be really fun. So I'm excited to bring the word to you today, and I'm going to be flipping around into a couple of different passages. And so if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and get it out and just flip over to Psalm 84. Um, but if not, because I'm going to be jumping around a bit, it will be up on the screen. So you can follow along that way if it's a little easier um, whatever's easier for you. But before we jump into the word, when I say the numbers, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, that might not sound super remarkable or bring anything to mind, except maybe school, which we just talked about, right? But if I said the numbers, four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine, would that bring something to mind for you? Anybody? Anybody? Star Wars. Exactly, right? So there are a couple of different ways that you can watch the Star Wars. Am I the only Star Wars fan in here? I don't think so. I, I heard one person. He got the reference, so thank you, Briley. Um, so <laughs> if you're a true fan, the only correct order is four, five, six, right? That's it. Like, that's all. Just the, the center trilogy there. So, um, but when you sit down to watch Star Wars, there's a certain order that people prefer, and they can get really adamant about it, right? So you could watch it in release order, which means you start with episode four, five, and six, then you jump to one, two, and three, then you go to seven, eight, and the jury's still out on whether or not you should watch nine. So there's a certain order if you're like a purist, right? I happen to love nine, just I'm gonna put that out there. Um, but there's a certain order that you like to watch it if you're a purist, or if you're like me, you like to watch them in chronological order, not according to when they were released in the theaters, but as according to the events that actually happened in the movie. So you start with one, which is a difficult one to get through, then two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and you get a lot more out of the story, especially, I have to say, I'm a bit of a casual fan. I've never jumped into Clone Wars or anything. Love The Mandalorian, though, but that's not what this is about. Um, <laughs> so if you watch it through chronologically, though, you learn a lot about things that you see in the original trilogy and their history and things that they're talking about and references that they're making because you now understand some of the backstory when you watch it in chronological order. And then you get to the very end and you're like, what? who's this guy? I thought he was dead. So it's all, you know, but you watch through and you get a lot out of it. 
Well, a lot of times, scripture can be a little bit like, it's hard to get the context right because there's a couple of different ways that you can read through this book. There's the traditional way, which is what we call the, the canonical way, the canon, where it starts with Genesis and ends with Revelation, as always, but it's broken up into historical books are in one section, minor prophets, major prophets, you have the four gospels, you've got the epistles, you've got, you know, all of these different segments of scripture are bunched together. And if you read from cover to cover, it can get a little um, confusing sometimes because it's hard to know where am I at in history? What's going on here? Uh, who's this person? How do they relate to the gospel? So I discovered several years ago this thing called the Chronological Bible, and it changed my life, especially when it comes to learning the history and what happened and how things ended up going along in the Bible. So by the time you get to the Gospels, you have this like really great understanding of exactly what the significance is of the coming of the Messiah and the coming of the infilling of the Holy Spirit and all of those things. And uh, so I actually have my chronological Bible here today. So I'm not going to tell you what page to turn to, because if you have your Bible, it's probably going to be a different page. But it's still right around the middle of the Bible. And so that's where I have my string here. So right around the middle of the Bible, regardless of whichever one you're in, which, by the way, the chronological still starts with Genesis and ends with Revelation, in case you were wondering. Um, but if you want to turn to Psalm 84, I'm going to just read a couple of verses for you. Um, because when we're in the lectionary, there are a couple of uh, passages in the Old Testament, and there's a couple of passages in the New Testament, and there's always a psalm. And last week, uh, Brenton was able to pull us into all, pretty much all of, almost all the passages, like three out of the four, because it had a common thread of wisdom. And this week, I feel like Psalm 84 has a little bit of that groundwork because it brings in this idea of God's dwelling place. Where does he live? And so I just want to pull a couple of passages out for you. And so Psalm 81, verse 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Skipping down to verse 4, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. And then verses 10 and 11, or verse 10 says, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the home of the wicked. That particular one is a little familiar because last week we talked about Lady Wisdom and that other lady, and they both have houses, and they're inviting you to join them for, you know, a meal, and it's like, which one are you going to pick? You know, which end of the street are you going to end up on? And here, the psalmist is saying, I'd rather be even a gatekeeper, not even like all the way in the house, just I'd rather be even a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. And this psalmist is really, he's pouring out his heart to the Lord. He longs to be in the presence of God. He wants to be in the house of the Lord where God dwells. But he's happy to even just be a gatekeeper. And he mentions being 
even entering the courts of the Lord. So you have the gate, and then you have the courts. And that's good enough for him because only a few select people were allowed to go all the way in to where the Lord was dwelling in the house, in the temple. And I actually have a picture of what Solomon's temple looked like. Um, This is an artist rendition, and and that'll be up on the screen for you. Um, And you can see that there's an outer courtyard, there's a wall, there's an outer courtyard, then there's like an inner courtyard area, and then you keep going in, and then you can go in even farther, all the way until you get to the room where it's called the Holy of Holies, and that is where the Lord's presence dwells. And in... um, you can see in my Bible here, I have all these tabs. These are all post-it notes. I'm not going to turn to all these scriptures, so it's fine. Um, But all of these post-it notes represent the kind of chronological progression of this idea of God's dwelling place, of where it is that he dwells. Because remember, the psalmist says, how lovely is your dwelling place? And I love that it starts, one of the songs we sing, it, it talking about the spirit hovers over waters. And that's right here, this very first tab, right in the beginning in Genesis. It, it, it shows where the spirit dwells. He just hovers over the waters. And you can follow through the whole chronological kind of line of where, how, uh, you know, it, then Moses uh, built a tabernacle because they, they didn't quite have a permanent place to reside. And so they built this kind of temporary temple, and it was a tent called the tabernacle. And it talks about how God's spirit moves into that tabernacle. And then it talks about how uh, when David buys the land where the future site of the temple will be. And so that's kind of fascinating to me. And, and then it talks about going all the way through to Solomon's temple, which is this picture up here on the screen. And it kind of walks us through a lot of these landmarks. Um, there's, there's been multiple iterations of the temple uh, because the Lord left the temple. But before we get there, I want to just jump to 1 Kings for you, and I'll have these up on the screen as well, because there's a couple of scriptures here that as I read through in the chronological Bible, it hits right around the month of May. You start hearing and reading about Solomon building this temple, and then he brings in the ark. And I'm going to read to you just a few verses out of 1 Kings chapter 8. It says, Solomon then summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the ancestral families of the Israelites. They were to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to the temple from its location in the city of David, also known as Zion. Verse 6, then the priests carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and placed it beneath the wings of the cherubim. And then verse 10, when the priests came out of the holy place, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. I have had the pleasure of listening to this on an audiobook version, and when that moment comes and the Lord fills the temple, it's just, it gives me chills, because I can imagine how literally his presence is, is tangible. The priests cannot go in and do their duties because he has filled, physically filled the temple. And I think sometimes when we think of the Lord and where he dwells, and we think of him filling a place in our minds, it's just kind of a 
an imaginary, you know, well, he, he's here, you know. We don't see him. We don't fill him. Obviously, we're present in this room, so he hasn't, like, filled it up so much that we can't come in, right? But in this moment, he physically filled the temple, and it just gave me chills. But as I would read through and get all the way, so, so in the chronological Bible, then Psalm 84 is about in the middle, and then over here, the Lord actually moves out of the temple. And you may be wondering why, if that's his dwelling place, but see, Jerusalem and God's people had been so disobedient. They were committing idolatry in this most holy place, and so the Lord moved out of the temple. And when I'm listening to that in the audio Bible, oh my gosh, he literally, it's like you're watching him in Ezekiel 10 and 11. You're watching him almost like he's packing his bags. And step by step, he moves from out of this room, and then he moves out to the door, and then he moves out into the courtyard, and then he leaves the gate, and he goes up out beyond the mountains, and his presence leaves. And you just think, It's so heartbreaking to know that the Lord just got up and moved out because people were so disobedient. And I can't help but think of the psalmist that if he had known that was going to happen, would he have rushed to the temple and just one last time tried to be in the presence of the Lord? Because that's what they had to do back then. They had to travel from wherever they were living, wherever they were working. They had to travel to this temple to be in the presence of the Lord. And there were all these festivals and all of these opportunities and holidays throughout the year where they would make that trek wherever they were living. And then they would go back home and they would continue working and living and then they would come back to the temple. And it wasn't like where we get the opportunity to come to church here at Refuge every Sunday almost every Sunday, we're, we're not open those three Sundays, but <laughs> almost every Sunday you get to come here and you get to be with the community and you get to listen to worship and you get to pray together and be together and have donuts and coffee. But that wasn't the way that it was back then. People didn't get to go all the time. They ha- only the special priests who were allowed, they, were, they, were, uh, a, they had a specific way that they had to live in order to be qualified to enter in. And if they had even a hint of sin, and they walked in, they, were dro- they would just drop dead because the Lord, his presence was there, and it was so heavy, and it was so tangible. It was amazing, but then he moved out of the temple, and that temple ended up being destroyed, and then years and years later, so he moves out of the temple. Years later, it's rebuilt, and in uh, the book of uh, Ezra, it talks a little bit about how that temple was allowed to be rebuilt, and it even talks about the temple dedication. But unlike in the tabernacle, where it specifically says the Lord filled the tabernacle, and then in the one where in the temple in 1 Kings, and it says the Lord's glory filled the temple, it doesn't say that during this temple dedication. But this is the temple that was rebuilt and is the one that Jesus knew. When Jesus walked the earth among us, and and he said over here um, in the New Testament in John, he said that he he was the temple, and that the temple was going to be destroyed and rebuilt in three days, and everybody's like, mind is blown. They're like, it took us years and years and years and decades and generations to build this temple, and you think you're just going to knock it down and build it back up again in three days, but Jesus was talking about himself. And so... 
It's interesting, though, because sure enough, in 70 AD, that temple, that second temple, was destroyed. And all, all of it was gone except for just one, one wall. That's it. And that wall still stands today. It, it's amazing. I really hope I can go there someday. I've watched videos and seen pictures and heard stories of friends who have been able to go to Jerusalem and visit that last remnant of this temple that Jesus walked among or walked through. I just think that that would be such a great kind of bucket list item that someday I would get to go and see this place. It's not just a rock wall. It's, it's a remnant of this time in real history that actually existed but it's just a wall. God's spirit, it doesn't say that God's spirit, his glory fills that temple any longer. Now, when it was destroyed by these other cities, other kings came and, and just ravished the land and, and took the God's people captive. And, and it, they thought, so in a lot of other cultures and religions back then, the temple was where your God lived. And if you could destroy the temple or you could destroy the idols that represented your God, it meant that you had killed their God. And if you killed somebody's God, you basically eradicated their identity. And so they, that's what they did. They destroyed the temple. But you see, our God had already moved out of the temple. Our God can't be destroyed like a mere building can. But then we get even better news. Because just as the Lord filled the temple, and there's, a, there's actually a verse in uh, 1 Kings 8, 27, it said, but will God really live on earth? Why even the highest heavens cannot contain you? How much less this temple that I have built? And so you have this picture in your mind that God is like bursting at the seams. Like he fills the temple and it's still not even big enough for his whole presence. And yet, when you get all the way to the back of the book, the second to the last tab that I've marked, you get to Pentecost. And that's kind of the season that we're in. We're still in Pentecost. We celebrated it about 13 weeks ago. But in the lectionary time, this is still the time for Pentecost. And so we get to this time where the Lord actually comes down. His Holy Spirit comes down and he fills us. And I, I don't have this on the screen, but I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to listen to these words in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Isn't that beautiful? Here, King Solomon's temple couldn't even contain the glory of the Lord. And yet, God has filled each of us with his spirit. That is so beautiful to me. And I'm getting chills just even now thinking about it. Because it's like, where is the Lord's dwelling place? In, in Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. Friends, you and I are his dwelling place. 
No longer do we have to travel afar to go and be in the presence of the Lord at a temple, a building that we don't even have full access to because we are not of this special priestly people group. But he dwells within us. You see, when Jesus, as the temple, was broken down and then rebuilt in three days, when he rose from the dead, there was this veil that separated the area where kind of the normal people could go uh, versus the special people who had the right to go beyond the veil. That veil was ripped in two. And not just from like, if if I'm going up and I'm going to like rip some curtains, you know, I'd grab it from the bottom and I'd rip it up and it would rip. But this ripped from the top to the bottom at the moment that Jesus died because that veil was broken open, no longer was access denied. Anybody could come to the temple and see the presence of the Lord. Anybody. God wants everyone to be filled with his spirit. And that is the beautiful thing of reading through scripture, in my opinion, chronologically. It shows us the true nature of the Lord. That from from page one all the way to the very last cover... The Lord is trying to get close to us. He wants to be in relationship with you. He doesn't just want to be this faraway, untouchable God, but he wants to be where you are, and he wants you to be in his presence always. I'm going to call the worship team to come up because I love this song that we sang this morning, Rest on Us. And I want to sing that today in full as we go out. I want to sing this song because it so greatly encapsulates this theme of the Lord filling us with his spirit. And here's the beautiful thing about being filled with his spirit. Yeah, no longer do we have to travel to go and be in his presence. But he, in his presence, in us, travels wherever we go. So when you're going to school... He's with you. You're in his presence. When you're going to work, he's with you. You are in his presence. When you're going to the hospital, he is with you. You are in his presence. When you are driving down the 405 and you are stuck in traffic and you wish you could be anywhere else but there, he is with you. You are in his presence. And as you think about being filled with him, as you think about what that means to be in his presence always, it means that you have full access to him. You are his dwelling place. How lovely is his dwelling place. So I want to invite you to stand, and I want, you to, I want to invite you to just worship with us as we go into this song with full energy I just want to invite you to reconnect with him. If it's been a while since you have had a chance to feel his presence, I want you to take this moment, and as we sing these words, invite him in. Invite him to dwell in you and allow you to become his dwelling place. So let's go ahead and sing together, and then I'll come back up and pray us out.
Stop. 
Can I get that last timeline slide up there, Nettie? Um, I just want you to take a look at this. See here, six is highlighted. Pentecost, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. The end of the chapter, the end of the book is seven. And I just want to read this to you. Revelation 21:22 says, this is at the end of the story. God has created a new heaven and a new earth. And all of his people are invited to dwell there with him. And it says, I saw no temple in the city for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb is its light. There will be no more darkness. There will be no more sadness. There will be no more evil. The end of the book. Today we live between these two points. Between when Acts 2-4 happened in in point 6 and when the Lord and the Lamb are the temple in point 7, that's today in the timeline. We live in this in-between stage. So I just want to encourage you as you go out this week, something better is coming. This is not the end. Whatever you're dealing with this week, whatever you're dealing with in life right now, it will get better. It will get better. But you don't have to go through it because how lovely are you his dwelling place so this week go with God be blessed in his presence as he goes with you into those places thank you for joining us at Refuge today thank you for joining us this week we believe in community and would love to connect with you If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at RefugeChurchOC. We hope to see you again soon.